All right, take your Bibles and turn to uh, turn to the book of John. John chapter four. Many are familiar with the story here of the woman at the well. Actually, I think the uh, first Sunday that we had a service here, first Sunday morning, we had a service here. The message was out of John chapter 4 and this woman at the well. And it's where we got our name, that, uh, that there'd be a well spring, that there'd be water flowing out. And from this place, God would uh, quench the thirst of uh, many thirsty souls. Um, but uh, I want to take a little different look at it this morning in John chapter 4. Jesus here is, is uh, John is telling the life of Christ and giving us kind of a day-by-day account of his public ministry. We see that Jesus is leaving Judea on his way to Galilee. And the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. And it just so happened that he didn't just stop in Samaria, but that he, 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 or he didn't just go through Samaria, but he stopped in Samaria at a well outside of the city, and it just so happened that there was a woman of Samaria that had come out of the city and was coming to the well, and she meets Jesus there. You see in, in, in verse 9, where the Bible says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew... Ask us, drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So we see here that, uh, that, that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. This wasn't just an unspoken understanding that the Jews didn't talk to the Samaritans, didn't deal with the Samaritans. This was well known. This was, uh, this was common knowledge, well known. Everybody knew that they didn't uh, deal with each other. But we find in the life of Jesus Christ that he had no problem dealing with this lady of Samaria. He, he uh, showed his grace and his mercy. That's what he said he came for, is that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In Luke, probably one of the most uh, familiar parables, those parables... In Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, the Bible says this, Then drew near unto him the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I, I, for one, am thankful that God receives sinners. I, for one, am glad that He receives the publicans and sinners. I'm glad that He received me, a Gentile, that His Holy Spirit drew me, a sinner, unto Himself. And that's what He goes on as He tells these parables in John or Luke chapter 15. He tells the Pharisees, He says, listen, He tells them the parable of the lost sheep. He tells them the parable of the lost coin, tells them of the lost son. And even in that story of the lost son, the prodigal son, he tells them of the elder son who he called in to come in to be with them in the feast. And the whole point of all this was saying, listen, of course Jesus Christ came and eats with sinners because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the the simple fact that Jesus Christ, God, came to earth means that He came for sinners. All, the Pharisees and the publicans, the scribes and the sinners. He came for all of us. And as we 
look at this story in John chapter 4, the narrative again, it helps us. The, 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 how Jesus interacts with this lady, just as we saw the story of Nicodemus last week and how and Jesus interacted with him. Look with me now in John chapter 4 and verse 13. John chapter 4 and verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the water in the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He begins to tell her of living water. Water that we can have that will never thirst again. This is, this is radical teaching. I mean, if you stop and think about it, he, the chapter before had just told Nicodemus, listen, you must be born again, right? Now he's telling this lady, listen, I can give you living water, water that you can take that will quench the thirst of your soul. In other words, full satisfaction. Plenty. He's just got plenty. That we talk about this. There's a hole that sin creates, right? There's a hole that, that if we don't have God, that nothing in this world, no matter what we go after, no matter what we go after, good things and bad things to fill that hole, it cannot fill it other than God and His Spirit. He says, listen, I can give you this that fills that hole. What is he talking about? He's talking about the same thing he told Nicodemus about in John chapter 3, the chapter before in verse 8, where he said this, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and and thou hear the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh, or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So Jesus Christ is telling Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit. He's telling the woman at the well about this indwelling spirit that we can have. As you take a look at the, at the Bible, as you take a look at the Bible in a whole, you could say it, and I'm oversimplifying it here, but you could say that in the Old Testament that, the, that the God the Father got the preeminence. He got the focus in the Old Testament. You could say that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus Christ the Son got the focus and the preeminence. And then you could say in the New Testament during the church age that the Holy Spirit is the one at work in our hearts and in our lives drawing men unto themselves. Jesus told the disciples all through the Gospel of John as we read that He was going to send the Comforter. Right? He told them that. He said He was going to send the Holy Spirit that was going to lead us and guide us into all truth. Did he not say that in the Gospel of John? That this Holy Spirit... Listen, for us as believers, for us as Christians, we should be dependent on God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us into the truth, to illuminate us to the Word of God. And let me ask you this, who better to teach us and guide us in the Scripture than the author? Right. Amen. The Bible tells us in, in Peter that 
the, that men wrote down the Scripture, but they were only the instruments that it was the Holy Spirit of God that was the author of this Word. And so who better to teach us than the author? He talks about this Holy Spirit that she could have, that she could get, that would quench this thirst. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. When you talk about the Holy Spirit and you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, or I like to say the result of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Begin with me in verse 13. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, he says this, For brother, we have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. And if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, verse 16, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you've been saved in here this morning, you've been born again, I believe that this verse makes sense, that this verse uh, comes to life, that every day we really have a choice to either what? Walk after the Spirit or walk after the flesh. We have that choice. There's a new man and an old man, right? He says in verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Have you ever experienced that in, in your life where there's a battle that goes on, good and evil, the one that wants to do good and the one that wants to do evil? And then he goes on, these are the works of the flesh, are manifest, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, stripes, seditions, heresy, envies. These are all bad things. We don't want these things in our life. These are the fruits of just following after our own way. But look at the fruits of the Spirit in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's one fruit with, you may say it like this, one fruit with nine graces or nine words to describe Christian character, Christ's character in our lives. He says this, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So he tells us here in Galatians that we can walk and live in the Spirit and have the results of Christ's Spirit in us. Now this is not, and I want to I make this clear right at the very beginning, this is not us trying to be a better person. This is not saying, well, I would like joy in my life, so I'm going to try to be happier, try to have joy. No, no, no. This is the, this is the result of, a, of, of an indwelling spirit and walking after and fellowshiping. This is, this is the fruit that is produced because of God's spirit in us. And love is the first one. And love is a big one, isn't it? 
It's easy for us to say that we'll love people, that we'll love one another, until we meet someone that's unlovable. Until we meet someone who isn't like us. Let's get real serious. Until we meet someone that annoys us. How about this? This gets real serious. What about when we meet someone whose sin hurts us or affects us? You say, well, what about that? Well, Jesus Christ, would you, um, would you agree that our sin affected Him, but yet He loved us? Amen. This is the result of God's Spirit in us. Several weeks ago, we uh, had a, a, a message here on Sunday morning about being on fire for the Lord, not lukewarm. And we talked about the Laodicean church in, in Revelation chapter 3. I want to look at a, or Revelation chapter 2. I want to look at a different church, but uh, um, in, in Revelation, turn there to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, the church at Ephesus, the letter that is written, excuse me, I'm mixed up, Revelation chapter 2, Laodicea was in chapter 3, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the, the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. Again, God knows what we're doing. He's looking at our lives. He's looking at the church and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and they're not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake hath labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, so he says a lot of good things about the church. Man, they knew... They knew some things. They were doctrinally strong. They knew how to prove uh, prove uh, false apostles. And they, later in this, he says that they hated the work of the Nicolaitans or church uh, bosses, in other words, uh, uh, dictatorship and, and religion. He says, you hated that which I hate. But he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy what? First love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. He says, because you've lost your first love, there's some repentance that needs to happen, because when we don't have the love, we don't have the light. There's another way of saying it. If love is the fruit of the Spirit, if it's the first fruit of the Spirit, then then this church had lost spirit. It had lost the spirit of God. Now, it could do, it could function, it could know some things, but it had lost spirit. And listen, in our daily lives, in our, our everyday lives, what we don't want is to start doing things mechanically. Because you can. You can do things mechanically. You can do some good stuff. You can even say, look, I'm doing right. But listen, if you miss the living water part of it, you miss it. If you miss the spirit part of it, if you miss God doing it through us, we've missed all the fun in it. We've missed all the joy in it. 
all the peace that comes in it, all the faith, all those things that come with it. Listen, he says to the church here at Ephesus, be careful not to lose the spirit. Now let's look at what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians. Ephesians. We're going to be turning to some scripture this morning. Be ready. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul's praying here for the church. He prays for the church in verse 14. He says this, For this cause I bow my knee in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see what Paul prays for the church, the things that he's praying God would do for the church. In verse 17, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in what? Love. What are we as a church to be rooted and grounded in? Love, right? We're to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. This is, this is clear. Paul says, without charity, we are nothing in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, we, he's praying that we may be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18, he says, uh, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ with, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh, look at this, in us. There's this, this passage is rich. You see what he's saying here? If, if you'll be rooted and grounded in love, you can comprehend the, the, the vastness of God. Right? He says, if you can understand, you can see the, 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 comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the love of God which passeth our human understanding, our human knowledge, and we can be filled with God that we may be, verse 20, now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know what happens when we start living our Christian life mechanically without spirit? We kind of get... We kind of get narrow-minded a little bit. We get we, we start thinking small. We in some ways we start to limit God, thinking that. And I know that we say this; it's almost cliche that you know you can't put God in a box. But we do. Sometimes we think, well, God can't do that, right? Or God won't. God won't work in this person's life, or God won't use this person, or God won't go this direction. But listen, if we look at the Old Testament, God, God can do anything, can He? You say, well, God is limited by His Word and he, than He is, but, but His Word is limitless. His Word, His word is, is, has creating power. His Word has no limit. And His Word has no... And so we begin to look at these things and say, listen, it's the love of God that we must be rooted and grounded in so that His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the living water, would begin to work in us. Verse 21, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, without uh, world without end. Amen. You know what makes the body of Christ beautiful? Is the love of God in it. The love of Christ. That's what makes it function. That's what makes it work. 
is God's love in the church, in the body of Christ, toward each other and for each other. He warns in the next chapter. I'm, I'm kind of looking, we're kind of looking at this love and the fruit of the Spirit in Ephesians since it was a warning in Revelation that they'd lost it. They'd lost the love. Look at Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Paul talks a lot about the Spirit, a Holy Spirit in Ephesians. In verse 30, he warns, he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all mouths. Is it possible as a believer that has received God's Spirit to grieve Him, to, 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 to quench it, to put it down where you can't hear it, where it's not working? Absolutely, that's what He's warning against. He says, put away the bitterness and the wrath and the anger and the clamor and the evil speaking from you. In verse 32, and be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He gives this amazing command here in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Look at it. Ephesians 5:18, he says, He says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's commanded us here, hey, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with God's Spirit, and then he shows the results of that in the next two verses, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when we're filled with God's Spirit, the first thing that's going to happen is deep down inside, you're going to know it. I mean, if you've got love in your heart, you've got joy in your heart, you've got peace in your heart, you know, what, you know what we say? We've got a song in our heart, right? There's just joy in our heart. There's thankfulness. When we're filled with God's Spirit, one of the, one of the things that just starts happening is we begin to be thankful. We begin to be thankful for the blessings and the things that God has given us. This is the living water flowing out. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it? Let me say it this way. Isn't it refreshing to be around someone thankful? It's just refreshing. They're just thankful for what God is doing, what God has done. And God has done some amazing, wonderful things for us, has He not? He says, be filled with the Spirit and then there's going to be joy in your heart. Psalms 107, 8 and 9 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul. He filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Man, He just brings full satisfaction. He brings that goodness into our lives. What I find interesting here in Ephesians chapter 5 is what Paul says after he says, be filled with the Spirit. So the rest of chapter 5 and the rest of chapter 6 kind of goes like this. Verse 20 uh, to the end of chapter, uh, verse 21 through the end of chapter 5, he talks about marriage. He talks about the church. Chapter 6, verse 1, he talks about children and how they're to react to their parents and parents, how they're to bring up their children, right? 
Then he goes on to um, maybe the work environment, employee and employer, how uh, employee is supposed to work for the employer and how the employer is supposed to treat the employee. That's what he says in verses 5 through 9 of chapter 6. Then he starts talking about spiritual warfare in a believer's life. 10 through 19 of chapter 6. You say, where does spiritual warfare show up in a believer's life? Shows up in marriage, church, parenting, and work. Isn't it funny we always think of spiritual warfare outside of those things, right? And a lot of times we think, but that's where it shows up. Because the first thing he says in spiritual warfare is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? That it's not our spouse that we're fighting against. It's not the people at church. It's not the people at work. It's not our children. It's not our parents. There's something else spiritual going on, and we can't, we can't, we can't confront it, we can't battle it without being filled with the Spirit. In other words, another way of saying this, isn't there these disclaimers, right, on TV, you know, don't try this at home? I would say that you would say, don't try marriage, parenting, work, spiritual warfare. Don't try church without the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't try and do it in our own strength. Don't try and do it without the power of God in our lives. There's there's a power source that we can tap into that God has available to us that can bring refreshing living water. He says this to the the apostles, uh, disciples in in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus is uh, getting ready to ascend into heaven and He's going to send the Spirit, which He promised that He was going to do. He says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, He says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, uh, saith he, ye have heard of me. Verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So he tells the disciples, he says, Listen, you guys are going to be witnesses. You're going to serve me. You're going to uh, uh, live for me. But wait. Wait for it. Don't do it until... You receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Now, you say, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? When do we receive the Holy Ghost? We receive it at salvation. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive all of God's Spirit that we, all of it, just all of God's Spirit comes in and seals us and dwells us. But then we have a choice to either walk after it, be filled with it, in other words, allow it to control our, 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 our decisions and the way that we go. Or we can choose to make our own path, our own way, our own decision. You say, well, I want that then. If God offered this to this woman at the well, this living water, then I want that. I want this uh, satisfaction. I want this joy that comes through God's Spirit, this living water that will quench the, the thirst, and, and not only our thirst, but others. I want it. So how do we have it? I guess this would be that call to action then. Turn to, turn to John, John chapter 15. Again, I'm going to say this a couple times. We're not trying to be a better person. We're not trying to be a good person. 
We are allowing the fruits and the power of God to come out of us, to work through us. John chapter 1 and verse 4. John chapter 15, excuse me, and verse 4. John 15 and verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he says this, For without me you can do what? Nothing. He's not talking about we can do nothing, but he's talking about we can do nothing fruitful spiritually, eternal fruit, things that are going to last. You say, what can we do as as a church? As a church, in and of our own selves, we can do nothing. But with Him and His Spirit, listen, God can do more in one hour than we could do with all of our effort put together in 10 years. Would you agree with that? God can do things. Trusting that. He says, he says in verse, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. He says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You know, so many times we get this pressure, pressure on ourselves as Christians that we have to, like I said, be a good person, right? Or we have to do all these things. I have to do this, I have to do that as a Christian. No, 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 no. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you have to abide in Christ. You have to obey Him, Right? You have to allow His words to abide in you and then naturally... Have we ever seen a fruit tree out there trying to be fruitful? A fruit fruit tree just bears fruit. Why? Because of the roots. That's how we are. We're the branches. Look at verse 11. He says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Let me ask you this question about the living water. Is your joy full this morning? I mean, this last week, were we mechanically trying to do the things that we're supposed to do? If we are, then maybe we got to stop that sort of thing and say, listen, I need to get back in. i got to make this about my relationship with Christ. I've got to get in that fellowship with Him. Lord, speak to me through Your Word. Lord, I'm going to cleanse my heart, repent, and get the sin out. God, I want to be obedient to You. I want to fellowship with You. Why? So that our joy might be full. Verse 12, he says, This is my commandment that you what? Love one another as I have loved you. Verse 17, he says this, These things I command that ye what? Love one another. What are we commanded to do as followers of Christ? What are we commanded to do? We're commanded to love one another. And not out of our own love, but the love of Christ in us. You say, how do we do this? How do we have God's Spirit? How do we we walk in it on a daily basis? 
It may be just as simple as asking. You say, could it be that simple? In Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, the Bible says this. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Listen. We're going to start our day tomorrow and we're going to have a choice. Do we go off and follow after the flesh or do we go off and follow after the Spirit? I think that that it could be just as simple as starting our day asking. Say, God, fill me with your Spirit. God, lead me today by your Spirit. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You say, could it be that easy? Yeah, it could. It could be that easy of just starting our day, cleansing our heart, clearing our mind, starting with our our focus on Jesus Christ, and just saying, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Guide me by your Spirit. Lead me today. I'm looking at you. I am focused on you. I am seeking you today to do it. This woman at the well. You know what she did? As we close. You know the story because we've had the message here several times. She, she was what you would call a wonderful soul winner. She went back into the city and said, come see a man. Told me everything I know, I've done, right? And she brought all these people back from Samaria and Jesus Christ ends up, they end up believing on Jesus All these folks from Samaria. Nobody, I'm trying to make this point, nobody had to tell her she had to do that. This was sincere, spontaneous evangelism. That's what I'm, that is where, you know, you say, I'm a Christian, so I know I've got to, I've got to tell other people about Christ. Yeah, that's true, head knowledge. But is, are we doing it because we have to? Or are we doing it out of an overflow? Because we are just so overjoyed with the life that God has given us in Christ. It's just, it's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living water that flows out of us. It has to flow out of us because we're overflowing. It has nowhere else to go. That's what I'm talking about. Being filled with God's presence and His Spirit and His power so that our life and the spiritual things that we do are not a drag. They're a joy. They're a pleasure. We begin to walk and rest. Listen, you can truly be serving God to, to you're completely busy and I truly believe that you can experience His rest. You might be uh, 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 overwhelmed or, or burdened physically, but spiritually you are at rest. This living water. I would say that our prayer would be, God, cleanse us. Make us clean. Open our ears. Open our eyes to be able to walk and see Your Spirit this week. Throughout our lives. That Listen, we're not going to try and walk this Christian life Without His power. I'm not going to try and, and, and go through life and do all these things in my own strength when I have the Spirit of God indwelling me. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the greatest thing that we could do is just as Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, you must 
be born again. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we are coming before You. God, we're asking You to fill us this week. Lord, help us to be focused on You and seeking after You, asking for You, Lord, knocking. Lord, we know Your promise that You'll hear us, that You'll fellowship with us, that You'll help us. God, we're asking for this living water that it would fill each one of us. Lord, that it would fill our church to overflowing. That God, that we could be a help and a blessing to our friends, family, neighbors, co-workers. Lord, we need you. Lord, we thank you for these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.